Well, as most of you know, in our house, we have uh, two children. We have Noble, who's about to turn five, and we have Marvel, who is about to turn three. And with a, with a child who's leaving the toddler phase and who's about to turn five and going to start school next year, um, we've spent a good chunk of this last year trying to help her learn the alphabet, learn, develop a foundation for learning to read, and do all of that kind of stuff. And matter of fact, for her fourth birthday last year, one of the things that we gave her as a gift was we got a reading system that was phonics-based and designed to help not only recognize letters, but understand that letters may each make unique sounds and how letters making those sounds actually connect to form words. And she has really done pretty great at it. She picked up the letters and the sounds really easily, and she's done a good job when it has come to putting the letters together to form words. Um, where we have run into issues, though, is when it comes to putting multiple words together and reading sentences. And the problem is not actually that she can't put multiple letters and words together to make sentences. The problem is the reading system, when they put the books, the, the beginner books together, they made the mistake, as far as our daughter is concerned, they made the, made the mistake of putting sentences that also have pictures on the pages. And every time Noble sees a picture and, and, and the words, she forgets that the words even exist and that she's supposed to try to read them. And so, so she just dives in to try to explain what's happening in the picture. And so, you know, something like dad has a hat or dad, it, you know, dad wears a hat turns into that man is walking down the street and he sees some children and he thinks he is very funny and he's trying to make them laugh and ha 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 and he wears a and like and he's and I'm like and we kind of sit and look around at each other and go well where did that come from because that's not I mean it's sort of a description of what's on the page but that she's not reading what's actually on the page and the reason I tell you all of this for this is for this simple reason some of us, when we try to pick up the Bible and read it, we end up in a very similar place where we sit in front of an open Bible or we sit with our Bible app open in front of us and we kind of look at it and we go, well, where did, where did that come from? Where did that come from? But unlike my daughter, where we end up with where did that come from because of it's descri- because she's describing a picture that uh, a picture she sees instead of the words on the page, we end up going, well, where did that come from? Because we read the words on the page and we wish we could put together a picture that we have a difficult time putting together. See, this happens to so many of us when we start to read the Bible, and it's one of the biggest reasons that many of us stop reading the Bible. See, unfortunately, much like what we said a few weeks ago about prayer, almost all of us have been told that it's important for us to read the Bible. You have been told that it's important as a Jesus follower to read the Bible, to spend time in Scripture, to have a daily habit maybe of reading the Bible. You have been told that it's important, but just like with prayer, very few of us have ever actually had someone teach us how to read the Bible, how to read the Bible. And the problem with that is that if you've been told that the Bible is important and valuable to read, but you never had someone teach you how to read the Bible, inevitably you will become frustrated. You'll either become frustrated with yourself because something that is important and something that is valuable is difficult for you and you assume that it must be easy for other people, but it's difficult for you so you get frustrated with yourself or you get frustrated with God because this thing that's important to read, this thing that's valuable to read, this thing that helps you connect with God if you read it is difficult to read and difficult to understand. And so today, if that has ever happened to you, if you've ever had that experience where you you knew it was important, you knew you should, and you tried, but it was so frustrating that you stopped, 
Let me encourage you today as we begin this series, Learning to Read, where we're talking about how to read the Bible, where we're going to do what we just talked about. Instead of just saying the Bible is important, we're going to actually talk about how we should read it and what mindset we should have as we approach the Bible. Today, I want if you've ever felt any of that as you started to read the Bible, I want to maybe put your mind a little bit at ease at the start today. Let me just say a few things off, off, the, top of the, off the top of the bat. The Bible is always difficult before it's easy. The Bible is always difficult before it's easy. See, I don't know that I've ever met someone who said the Bible. Well, the Bible is easy to read, easier to understand, and really simple to know exactly how to apply it to my life. Like, those people might exist, but I have never met one. In fact, if you ever meet someone who says that, chances are they're a person who's been a believer for a long time and has wrestled with Scripture for 50, 60 years, and they have forgotten how difficult it was when they started out. They've been, they've been wrestling with Scripture for so long that no, they're no longer really wrestling, and they have forgotten what it's like to actually wrestle with Scripture at the beginning, and they have forgotten what it's like to actually wrestle with Scripture at the beginning. But the Bible is complex and difficult to read, for a number of reasons. There's large chunks of the Bible that are genealogies, including a whole bunch of names of people who aren't really involved in any of the main parts of the story. In addition to that, large chunks of the Bible are law from an old covenant that no longer applies under the new covenant. So we have to figure out exactly how much weight do we give to those portions of scripture that don't have clear application today. There's things that were historic victories in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel that would get the nation of Israel canceled today. Like that's just a true a reality. The Bible is difficult before it becomes easy. All of that is to say, if you've ever gotten frustrated because the Bible was difficult at the start, welcome to the human race. The Bible is always difficult before it's easy. The Bible is always complicated before it's simple. The Bible is always complicated before it's simple. Sometimes you may hear people talk about the fact that there is a simple gospel or that the message of the Bible is simple. And I agree, but I agree because I've been reading the Bible for 25 years of my life. Like I've been reading consistently and after 25 years, I go, oh, it's simple. But at the start, it's not simple. It's complicated. And so I agree that there's a simple gospel, except that to get to the message of simplicity around how we approach God and the beauty and the brand, of the brand new way of Jesus, sometimes we actually have to unlearn some things that we have picked up or heard along the way. Like, for example, you might have heard someone say this, well, the whole Bible is about Jesus. And here's the thing. I agree. The whole Bible is about Jesus, that everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament, everything before Jesus ultimately points to Jesus. But I don't know that I can that I can clearly say like, well, every individual verse points to Jesus. Like there's this verse in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, and it's a command that's actually, it's, it's, it's in the law multiple times. I think it's in the law seven different times in the, in the Old Testament law between the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And here is this fantastic verse from Exodus chapter 23, 19. You must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, for someone who's been told the whole Bible is about Jesus, if you read that verse, you're like, well, how... Well, how is that? About? And someone go, well, let me tell you how. Well, how many times about Jesus? You see, Jesus is the goat. He's the greatest of all time. And you should like, I'm like, come on, like we're like you're stretching there. You're stretching there. It's it did incredibly difficult to like to think how like well how does that point to Jesus? That individual verse, I don't think it really does a whole great job of pointing to, to Jesus. We need to understand that some parts of the Bible can't just be explained with easy phrases like that, but they require nuance and understanding to help us 
see why they're a part of a larger story. The Bible is complicated before it becomes simple. Here's another one. The whole Bible is inspired. Now, here's the thing. I believe every word of the Bible is inspired. I believe every word of the Bible is God-breathed to human authors, God-inspired to human authors who wrote down exactly what God told them to, to, to say. At the same time, I do not believe it's all equally applicable. I believe the whole Bible is equally inspired, but I don't think it's all equally applicable. Let me give you an example from the book of Leviticus. The whole book, it's law for the priesthood serving in the tabernacle and temple of the Old Covenant. And it's also for the people to know how they can stay ceremonially clean so that when they go to offer sacrifices, they are not viewed as unclean and they can approach God and they can offer sacrifices and they can offer offerings and they can do all of the stuff that they're supposed to do to worship God. In that, in, in that book, in chapter 11, there are six verses in a row dedicated to telling people not to eat owls. Now, I don't know about you, I have never once in my life been tempted to eat an owl. Regardless of whether or not you have actually faced that temptation or not, like I think that pales in comparison to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, which says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Like one obviously is more applicable because while I've never been tempted to eat an owl, I am need a constant daily reminder that God cares most about whether my faith in him is expressed through my loving actions for other people. Like these are they're like they're equally inspired, but they're not equally applicable. And so what happens is we tell people things where like, well, to, to try to simplify it, but what we actually do is make it seem more complicated. Here's the third thing that's true. The Bible is always challenging before it's encouraging. The Bible is always challenging before it's encouraging. The Bible has a lot of encouragement. I would say loads of encouragement. The, the, the Bible has loads of encouragement, but it also has a lot of challenges to the way we live, to our selfishness, to our self-centered lives and our culture. And unfortunately for us, before the good news can be good news, we have to be confronted and challenged by the bad news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners and we're pretty hopeless to do anything to save ourselves in our selfishness, in our self-centered ways. Like we are all sinners and in our selfishness and in our self-centered ways, we will keep sinning and keep sinning and we will be hopeless and helpless to do anything to save ourselves. That's the bad news and that's a tough pill to swallow. But the good news is that God loves you so much that while we are lost in sin and while we're hopeless to do anything to save ourselves, God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to pay the price for your sin so that you can be brought back to right relationship with him. Him. That's the good news. That's encouraging. It's challenging before it's encouraging. There are so many amazing promises throughout scripture filled with incredible encouragement for the people of God. But notice what I just said. The promises are for the people of God. The promises are for the people of God. For the promises and the encouragement to belong to you, you have to belong to God and not belong to yourself and not belong to anyone else. This is the challenge that comes before the encouragement. That's a challenging message to be told and to read. It's always challenging before it's encouraging. So here's the thing and here's the good news. I know this sounds like bad news. The Bible is always difficult before it's easy. It's always complicated before it's simple and it's always challenging before it's encouraging. And again, 
I understand that sounds like bad news, but in there, there is some really good news. If you'll stick with it, the Bible becomes easy, the Bible becomes simple, and the Bible becomes encouraging. If you stick past the challenge, the Bible becomes encouraging. If you stick past the complications, the Bible becomes simple. And if you stick through the difficult, you reach a point where the Bible becomes easy. It encourages us if we'll stick with it. It, it challenges us to grow. It becomes enjoyable if, if, if we stick with it. We grow, we know God more if because of reading the Bible if we'll stick with it. And it changes us and makes us more like Jesus if we stick with it past the challenge and past the difficulty and past the complications. Like at the end of the day, we come to a point where the Bible becomes enjoyable, encouraging, hopeful, life-giving, and transformation and it helps you to become more like Jesus if you'll just stick with it. But like we said, it's difficult at the start. It's challenging at the start. It's complicated at the start. If you'll stick with it, just like learning to read, if you'll stick with it, you get to a point where knowing how to read can actually help you become more like Jesus and help you know your Heavenly Father more. So just like there are levels and steps to a toddler learning to read or like you, whenever you learn to read, there are steps and levels for us when it comes to reading scripture. Just like when, when, for my daughter, when it can be, you have to recognize the letters and then you have to know what, the, what sounds they make. And then when you know what sounds they make, you can start to put the words together. And once you can put, once you can put a whole word together. Now you can put multiple words together and now you can read a whole sentence and now you can read a whole paragraph and now you can read a whole page and now you can read a whole book. Just like there are levels when it comes to putting, putting together learning to read at the very beginning when you're learning to read, there are levels that help us know how to learn and how to approach the word of God as we go through the word of God. And so today, as, as we talk, I want to talk about these levels because for some of us, we may, be, we may feel stuck because we may be at the wrong stage or thinking that we need to jump to a stage that we don't belong at yet. So I want to talk about the stages and the levels that come with reading the Word of God. And I hope this, I, I think this can be incredibly helpful and freeing for all of us. The first level when it comes to reading the Word of God is read. Wow. You're like, hold on, Chris, let me write that one down. Yeah, no, we all need to start at a place where we're simply reading. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, we're told this, desire God's pure word as newborn babies desire milk. Then you will grow in your salvation. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote this in verse 11 and 13, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Here's what I know. It's good for us when we're starting out to simply read the Bible. When I was an 18-year-old college freshman and I decided that I wanted to have a, a faith of my own and embrace a faith of my own, no longer just have a faith because it was a, a part of my family growing up, that I wanted to have a faith of my own, I knew I need to read the Bible for myself, the whole Bible for myself. It is good for us when we're starting out to simply read the Bible. And I think one of the most valuable things a person can do for their faith is to read through the whole Bible as a starting point and then work from there. And when I say simply read, here's what I mean. I mean, you read. You just, you, you read. When I was doing it, I wanted, I said, I'm going to read the whole Bible in the next calendar year. And so I read five chapters every single day. And I, sometimes I took a break on Sunday just for a Sabbath, but I was, I was consistently just, I'm going to read five chapters a day. I'm not going to do a real deep reading. I'm not going to do a whole lot of study. If I have some questions, I'll write them down in a, in a, in a, in a journal. But I'm like, I'm just, my whole focus that year was I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the whole thing. And for some of us, we think we've been told that we need 
to study, but that is something that comes later. We need to get the foundation of Scripture so that we have something to build on. And when you're starting out, you need to read, and you need to read, and you need to read, and you need to develop the habit of reading, of simply of reading, of simply reading. So if you're just starting out reading the Bible, my encouragement for you, read a bunch and read quickly, write down questions when you have them, and then you keep reading. Here's the way I would say it. You keep reading the way a newborn keeps feeding. When you're new to the Bible, Scripture is like milk. The more you get, the more you'll want. And that is a good thing. You develop When you simply read, you develop a hunger for Scripture. You, you, just, you just come to it and say, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read three chapters a day. I'm going to read five chapters a day. I'm going to read one chapter a day. I'm just dedicated. I'm going to read a bunch. And as you read, you're going to develop a hunger for more. As you develop the habit, you also develop a hunger. So you keep reading the way a newborn keeps feeding. After you read, you move to the step or the level of understand. So you read and you understand. Psalm 119 verse 30 says this, the teaching of your word gives light. So even the simple can understand that we're supposed to move to a place of understanding. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the goodwill and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Glory belongs to him now and for, and, and for that eternal day. Amen. Grow in the goodwill and grow in the knowledge. Grow in the goodwill, grow in the knowledge. The teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. This is where we move past surface reading to study. This is where we move past, I'm just going to read fast and I'm going to develop a hunger. So now I have that hunger and I want to satisfy it with meat. I want to satisfy it with, with substance. I want to satisfy it with something that, that can sustain me. This is where we move past surface reading to study. This is where we put together individual verses that where we move past individual verses to where we develop, where, where, we, where we combine individual verses and see larger pictures, portions of scripture and how, what God is consistently portrayed to be. And we develop a theology. This is our study that helps us to understand God more. Our study, that's the goal of our study. Our study helps us understand understand God. Our study helps us understand God, helps us to understand God's character, who he is, helps us to understand God's behavior, how he acts towards his people. It helps us to understand his plan, what God wants to accomplish and what God wants us to accomplish on the earth. It helps us to understand his salvation, the damage and the death that sin has done for all to all of us and the healing and life that God brings about through Jesus. We should move for, at, at, at a certain point, we should move from a place of simply reading to a place where we spend some time studying. We're understanding. Understanding God better. The third thing that I would say we move, the third level of understanding and reading scripture is that we would move from understanding to trusting. Now, this is an interesting one. This is something I don't think a lot of people have, have talked about, and this is something I think may be unique to me, but I think this is a big deal. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It helps us to understand where we are wrong, helps us to understand where we're wrong. It corrects us, it challenges us. In Proverbs 30 verse 5 it says this every word of God proves true even the things that are difficult to believe even the things that we want to fight with every word of God proves itself true he is a shield to all who come to him for protection as we study here's why I say this this is so important to, to grow to a place of trust as we study we will eventually come to some conclusions that we may not like and whenever we come to a conclusion we don't like, we are forced with a question. And the question is simply this, will I trust what God has shown about himself and his plans when I don't like it? 
Will I trust God when I don't like what God has shown me? Will I trust in his plan when I don't like the plan? Will I trust and follow him when I don't particularly like what his word has said? To give a few examples of, of, of this, as I was doing a study through scripture about 10 years ago, of all the times where people who followed God ended up in bad situations, I found myself really annoyed at how many times they were in those situations because they were following God and they were following Jesus. Like they were following God and ended up in trouble and, 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 that, and that confronted something that was, that was in, in me about the way that I thought things worked in life. Like the disciples end up on a boat on a lake in the middle of a storm because Jesus sent them there. Jesus sent them there knowing there would be a storm. Lazarus gets sick and he dies and his family sees him die as a prop in Jesus's big sermon illustration that he could raise the dead to life. I mean, like imagine you're Lazarus and you're this family afterwards. You're like, I mean, nice sermon, but could we have done it without me dying? Like, like I'm following you. I believe in you. And this is what I went through because I believe it. Like we even called, we called you when I was sick. And she's like, I know, but I had, you know, had to let people know that I can raise the dead to life. In the Old Testament, Elijah ends up on the run for his life from a wicked king and queen immediately after he orchestrates an incredible victory for God. And here's the difficult truth that I was confronted with in that moment. It's better to follow Jesus into difficulty than to live in comfort and safety without him. Like, that, like that, that's that, like that, that's that's the whole thing. And in my life, like I like comfort, I like safety, and I don't like difficulty. And for a long time in life, I had believed that comfort and safety were a reward for doing what God wanted, and that difficulty came when you weren't doing what God wanted. And as I studied and moved into a new understanding, I chose to trust following Jesus is the goal, regardless of the outcome. Like, I want my life to follow Jesus. I want to be obedient to God, regardless of what the outcome is in the temporary moments of my life. I want to follow Jesus, regardless of the outcome. And so here's the thing. When we talk about trusting Scripture, here's why we want to trust Scripture. As you learn to trust Scripture, you grow in trust of the author. As you learn to trust in Scripture, as you grow to trust Scripture, you grow in the way that you trust the author, the way that you trust God, the way that when, when, when you're confronted with something that is a, a, a reality of Scripture that you disagree with, and you choose to trust in the one who, in, in, in the word, and you trust in the truth, you're tr ultimately choosing to trust in the one who gave it, the one who revealed himself, the one who showed himself, the one who has revealed his plans throughout the pages of Scripture. You trust the author more as you trust his. His words. So you, so, so you read, you understand, you trust, and then finally you come to a place where you apply, where you apply, where you apply. James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25, it tells us this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. For doing it. 
after you've read and after you've studied and as you learn to trust God's word, the best way to grow in understanding is to do it, to put God's word into practice, to take what you've read and been instructed to do and to do it to the best of your ability. Like last week when we are told to pray with shameless persistence, we don't grow unless we pray with shameless persistence. When we are commanded to love our enemies, we don't grow unless we actually practice loving those who are different from us. The blessing is always in the doing. The growth is in the doing. The forward motion comes from the doing. We simply read, we simply read, we strive to understand, we grow to trust and take God's word at its word, and we grow as we apply and put into practice the instructions and the commands of God's word. Now, Here's why I think this is so important for us to have talked about this morning. For some of us, this is, the, this is the challenge today. It may be time for you to take the next step in how you read scripture. It may be time to move to the next level. It's possible that you've been simply reading for a long time and you will feel stuck until you take the next step to learn to study scripture for yourself. It's possible that you've done a lot of studying, but you're fighting with the conclusions that you have come to, and it's time for you to trust. It's time for you to embrace the conclusions that you that you disagree with because it will grow your trust in your heavenly Father. And it's possible that you've read and you've studied and you even trust, but you're going back, but you're but you're going to be stuck until you actually do something in response to what you have been commanded and instructed and what you have read to do. It's time for all of us to be willing to take the next step. If you're not a Bible reader, it's time to simply read. And it's not time to jump to study, and it's not time to jump to trust. It's not necessarily time to jump to application. It's time that you, if you're going to connect with the Bible, it's time for you to read. If you've been reading simply for a long time, it's time for you to take the next step to study. And it could be difficult at the start, but you're going to take that next step and say, you know what? I'm not just going to simply read. I'm not just going to read and surface and surface and surface and surface, but I'm going to dig in. I'm going to dive deep here. It's time for some of us. It's time to, as we come to this, some of the conclusions because of what we said, it's time for us to take the step that like, hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to trust this. I'm going to trust God because this is what God has shown of himself. This is what God has shown of his plan. And it's time for me to simply trust what he has called me to do in relationship to him. It's time for me to trust what he has called me to do in relationship to other people. It's time for me to walk out his plan and not my plan. It's time for me to, to, to trust what he has revealed and not, and not trust in my own perspective. It's time for me to trust. And some of you, it's simply time for you to take everything that you've been doing and for you to move to a time of application because the best learning that you will do at this stage of your life is to put scripture into practice, that you will trust God as you see how his plan works best in action. It's time for all of us to take a next step. And here's why, here's why you haven't done it. Like just, just, here's what, when, when I don't do this and when you do, don't do this, here's why you don't do this. Any new step is difficult before it becomes easy. It's complicated before it becomes simple. And it's challenging before it becomes encouraging. But if you'll take that next step, it becomes easy. It becomes helpful. It becomes encouraging. And it becomes simple. 
Today, as, as we close our time together, here's, here's an approach to this that I began about two years ago. And, and, and I've tried to put words to it, and I hope these words are helpful in explaining what I, what I have been doing for the last two years in my personal time reading the Bible. As I've, as I've been reading the Bible for 25 years, and I spent a number of years simply, study, you know, simply reading, and then I spent time in Bible college, and I spent years studying, and as I've really grown to trust in, in, in Scripture and the conclusions that I've come to after study, as I've really developed a heart that it wants to apply and put into practice the things that I read. Here's... Here's, here's a, 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 something that I have been working on for the last two years, and, and, and I, I hope this help, is, is helpful for you today. I want you to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. I want us to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. In other words, I don't want to continually cruise right over things because I think I have already understood it or because it's so basic or so foundational, but because it, I want to get something, you know, I, don't, I don't want to run over the, the things that seem foundational, the things that I've heard my whole life, the things that I've read a, a dozen times or a hundred times. I don't want to skip over those things because I think of them as shallow on my way to try to get to something deep or something new or some new insight. Like I want to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. I want to stay in the shallow until I have understood and practiced and trusted and been challenged to put into practice something in the shallow. I want to get the whole thing. I want to get everything that God has for me out of every verse. I want to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. Let me let me let me show you what what this looks like for me as I read. Maybe the most famous verse in the entire in the entire Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, here's what it looks like to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. The shallow version of this is this. This is how our kids' curriculum teaches this. God loved, so God gave. We believe and we receive. Now, I think it's phenomenal that we teach our children that way, that this is the, the message of the gospel, that God loved, so God gave. We believe and we will receive. But here's what it looks like to dive into that, to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. For God, okay, well, who's God? Well, God is perfect. God who is holy, God who is good, God who is all-knowing, God who is everywhere at the same time. That God, he so loves the world. He loves the world that is broken and messy and unholy and sinful and divided and can't seem to ever do anything right. That God, who is perfect and holy, loves something that is the complete opposite of him. That's challenging to me. That God loves something that is so opposite of him. And he loves it so much, we're told, that he gave. See, love gives. I, in other words, like love gives. When we teach it the shallow way to kids, God loves, so God gave. Well, you, what, what this teaches me is that God loved, so God gave. Love naturally gives. I can't say I love unless I'm willing to give. That's convicting and that's powerful. You're like, you're getting all of that out of these few words? Absolutely. This is what it's looked like to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. I'm, I can't say I'm willing to love unless I'm willing to give. It's convicting and powerful. God gave it because God loved, God gave his one and only son. God didn't just give any old thing. God wasn't like, well, I love, so I got to give something. 
No, God gave personally. God gave his best. God gave his singular son. God gave Jesus. God gave the best that heaven had to offer for the worst problem that the world had to give. God gave his son because of his love for the world, for you. God loved Chris so much. God loves you so much that he gave his best. He gave personally. He gave of something that cost him something. He gave personally. God gave his family so that we could become family with God. I mean, if that doesn't make you tear up a little bit as you read it, like I last night as I was writing through this, like I just began to tear up a little bit as I was writing this, that whoever believes, whoever Whoever believes, that expands the list to some people. I'm not sure if they would be on my list. I mean, like, do you ever have that happen to you when you read something like, well, that whoever believes, whoever, wait, wait, wait. that means anyone who believes, even some people that I've written off, even some people that are like, that's challenging to me. Maybe I have said no to some people that God has said yes to. That's a deep, like, I have to learn to trust that God knows what he's doing when he says anyone who believes, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him, not just someone who believes any old thing, but they have to believe in him. He is the foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the one the whole thing revolves around. That salvation is found in a person, not a religious system. That whoever believes in him, Whoever believes in Jesus, Jesus is the foundation of the whole thing. Shall not perish. When I'm I'm reminded, when I read that, that without Jesus, I am hopelessly lost and destined for death. Without Jesus, I am hopelessly lost and destined for death. I don't pass over that. I shall not perish. If my faith is in Jesus, I shall not perish. But if my faith is in Jesus, I am hopeless and I'm destined for death but have eternal life on my own. I am dead in my sin, but because of my trust in Jesus and my dependence in him, I receive eternal life, a life that is better in the here and now and life that lasts forever. Now, if you're looking at that and hearing that, you're like, wow, you got all of that from that scripture? Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Isn't that challenging? Yes. Isn't that encouraging? Yes. Doesn't that help us to know God better and feel closer to God? Yes. Can you do that in your home? Absolutely. You take these verses that sometimes we so skip over because they're so foundational and we've heard them so many times that we take them and say, you know what? While, it may, while some people may think of it as shallow, I'm just gonna keep diving in until I feel like I have reached every bit of depth that this thing has because I want to know God and understand God and I want to trust God and I want to grow in my dependence on God and I want to grow in my obedience of God. I want to know the full thing. I want the whole enchilada and I want to dive in and I want to not stop diving until I've reached the bottom. Now here's what you might notice. This actually, this process sounds a lot like what I do in scripture. If you know what, as I preach, if you notice, what I'll do a lot of times is we'll put a, a, a verse on the, on, the, on the screen and then I'll have a few words that are highlighted and we'll start to unpack those few words. Here's what we're doing when we do this. 
We're saying let's highlight all of the words individually at some point along the way, at some point along the way of our study. This is taking so that you can do at home what we do when we gather together for church, to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. We take what seems simple and we dig in until we reach the bottom. This is something every single one of us can do. Highlight a portion and keep digging until we get to the bottom of it. And maybe, just maybe, this is a new way of reading that sparks something brand new and something beautiful in the way that you approach scripture and ultimately connect with your heavenly father as we all learn to read the Bible for everything that it's worth. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your love for us that's displayed through Jesus. Thank you for your, your love that it's communicated on the pages of Scripture. Thank you that your character and your plans and your purposes are all there for us on the pages of Scripture. And so God, today I pray that you would help us to take whatever step you want us to take as we move forward in our in our connection to you through your word. God, for some of us, help us to take the step to begin reading. For some of us, help us to take the step beyond surface reading to study. God, for some of us, help us to take the step where we've been studying for a long time, but we're fighting with some stuff that we stop fighting and trust what you have revealed to us about yourself. And God, for some of us, where we've read and we've studied and we trust you and we do all that, but we have a problem putting it into practice. Would you help us to put it into practice? And God, more than anything, as we read your word, as we study your word, as we learn to trust your word, as we learn to apply your word, help us to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. God, help us to reach and understand the fullness of everything that you have for us in your word. Help us to apply everything that you have for us in your word. Help us to be challenged and encouraged by everything that you mean to be challenging and everything that you mean to be encouraging. Help us to stay in the shallow until the shallow becomes deep. God, help us to learn to read your word all over again so that we can see you with fresh eyes. We can understand you the way that you want to be understood. We can know you the way that you want to be known and we can connect with you the way you want to be connected with and we can live out your plans and your purposes in our world. We love you. God, help us to learn to read your word the way you want us to read your word and ultimately to connect with you. We love you, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.